Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Randy Blumendahl's Coach's Corner. I want to give a special thanks to J.P. Weber and his uh, Yellow Ball Network having us a part of this. And uh, from week to week, I'm on every week on Sundays. I also have Coach Creasy during the week that's on and uh, several other really good coaches. Um, I have a, a really good show lined up today. I'm very excited about it. Uh, Chris Emke has joined us, and, and a lot of what we're going to talk about is kind of a, a hot topic right now in, in tennis. And I say hot it, it, because the U.S. Open, it's been extremely hot. But we're going to talk about fitness, a lot about fitness, something that has, uh, I don't know if it's changed a whole lot. That's what we're going to talk about. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. Um, but it's definitely something that is fresh on everybody's mind. Um, is there a magic way to train? Is there a certain thing that we need to do? Is there a certain base? You know, what do we need to do with the young athletes? What should we do with athletes as they go through puberty? And then as they develop into more of a mature level, is there a different way that we need to set up their, their day, or is that something that's individual? That's all the things we're going to be talking about. And I think it's something that every coach, every parent, every athlete at some point thinks a lot about. Now, um, a lot of times with tennis, I think we get kind of put into a box, and maybe it's because of the way we've been marketed. Maybe it's because of, um, you know, just simply our our roots and where where tennis has come from. But we get we get put into a box where, you know, maybe we're not treated like athletes. Maybe maybe it's our own fault. Maybe we don't carry ourselves like we are athletes. But boy, in the last you know. 25, 30 years, um, and I'm not saying that it didn't happen before then, but it's it's been something that's been fresh on um, the media's mind, um, and it's been in front of a lot of articles and, you know, a lot of breakthroughs in tennis, uh, you know, have been through fitness, but I think that has been going on for decades, but you know, maybe our approach to it's been a little bit different. So we're going to talk about a lot of that. But we we have a, a guest that I feel privileged to to have in the room with us here, and he, uh, you know, he's he's uh, working here in in Bradenton, Florida, and he's got a lot of exciting things going on. Um, I think a lot of of the ideas in 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 how he's grounded and what he he talks about and works with with his athletes is is definitely has to do with his mentors and we're going to talk a little bit about that but also some of the his experiences and and uh you know the way he trained as he was a tennis player and and the the coaches that trained him and and how to approach the game um I, I've watched him work with players and, and watched him do some things with players that, you know, I haven't seen other fitness coaches do. The, the, the level of detail, um, you know, how, you know, the game's built so much around movement. And he does a tremendous job of getting players to move better, more efficiently, and, and some of its strength, some of its flexibility, and I'm going to let him talk all about what those things are. But, um, you know, how much of that really plays into the success or the mastery of a tennis player? It's something we always talk about. And, you know, is there a formula to that? You know, how, how should a parent, how should a player look at that part of it? And in my mind goes to, you know, hey, this sport, again, I think it's the greatest sport, but it demands a lot from an athlete. 
the physical side, it demands a lot from an athlete. And if you don't develop as an athlete, you're going to have a hard time being successful in the sport. But I'm going to let him talk a little bit more about that. Um, Chris, you know, I, I wanted to start off with you talking a little bit about really where you came from, just your tennis experience, and 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 you as an as an early tennis player, and 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 where you got a lot of your influences from. So, you know, um, welcome to the show, Chris. Um, I um, I'm very excited to have you today. Well, thank no, thank you, Renard. Appreciate uh, appreciate you having me, and this is certainly a topic that uh, I am very passionate about. And I think it's something that, um, you know, that's maybe newer for uh, or maybe not as prevalent in the tennis world as it is other sports. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's an exciting time to and an exciting platform to be on to help, you know, help educate and uh, make aware how important this side of it is at all ages. Well, well good. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, you, you were uh, – you know, you're very modest about this, very humble about this, but you're a very good tennis player growing up. Can you tell tell us a little bit about some of your background as a tennis player and, and uh, you know, some of your experiences with coaching as you developed through the junior ranks? Yeah, well, so I'm from, I'm from the Northeast, from Pennsylvania, and, you know, battled um, what a lot of juniors do, you know, limited court time, indoor court space, and and you know, had some good coaches. I would I would say my best coach and, and best mentor was actually my father. Um, I think who uh, uh, could have been a great coach in almost any sport. But uh, no, he was definitely my biggest mentor and and guider through um, through my junior playing career. And and came to a point where um, you, know, you know a lot of people and coaches had said, hey, there's some potential here. We can do some things. And, and maybe coming down to Florida and exploring the academies was the thing to do uh, early in high school. And, you know, so that's that's what we did. My father came down and, and uh, kind of spearheaded the looking at the different academies that were here. And and um, I think after, you know, an hour of being, you know, at the Harry Hoffman Academy, um, my dad knew right away what he was looking for and what made sense. And, and, um, and that's where I ended up was with Hotman. Well you you've often talked to me about your father and and how smart of a person he was and uh after an hour he figured out the genius with uh with Mr. Hopman. Can can you explain some of what he saw there that that really was a difference because I think a lot of parents are, you know, they go they've got a lot of opportunities in tennis, and maybe some of them are really good, and maybe some of them are not so good. But I think they have a hard time figuring out. Well, what's the difference? You know, is it their website? Is it you know, is it the flashy you know cards that they're giving me? Is it the the smooth talking guy on the way out? I I don't know what the difference is, and I don't think with Mr. Hopman you were getting any of that. So, you know, what did your father see that, that really, you know, he knew after an hour, like, this is really, if you want to be great, this is the avenue you need to take? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I, you know, we went to the other ones, and me being in high school, you know, I, I can't tell you how I was, you get caught up in the bells and whistles and the looks and the accents and, and everything else that go on. Um you know, in, in the first couple we went to, you know, it, it was kind of a lot of the same thing. I couldn't really pinpoint what I liked. He was making his own, um, his own educated uh, opinion as to what he was experiencing. Um, but yeah, when we when we met Harry Hoppin, there was something very different uh, about that, and he is he reached people extremely well, and is a very intelligent man. So I I, I always trusted his opinion, oddly enough, as a young teenager, um, but I always trusted his opinions and never felt he let me stray. But he just felt like it was a no-nonsense. It wasn't glitz and glamour. It was hard work. It was old school work. And when I, I remember asking my father, like, on the player at home, what's making you say this is it? And he said, I want you to trust me and I want you to roll, roll your sleeves up and get to work because if anyone's going to make you good, this man will do it. And, you know, I, I kind of thought about it a lot and I really did feel, I felt a, a, a big sense that it was just no nonsense. It was good old, you know, old school hard work and, and 
um, yeah, not, not a lot of not a lot of the other marketing stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's really it was kind of easy actually. So, well, very good. Can can you explain a little bit about you know some of your day to day, like especially with the fitness side of Mr. Hopman, you know, some of what you would have experienced in the academy. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, when we would play on the courts, you know, it's like a lot of academies, your your top courts are full of your top players, and it kind of works its way down in the in the traditional model, I should say, at that time, and maybe still a little bit today you see it, but, uh, you know, you knew when Harry Hopman came on that court, I mean, first of all, you just felt honored when he came on your court, but you knew you had to work. And and he was really the first person that I ever came across that really talked about the fitness side, how important it was, and ultimately that molded, you know, where I am today with with how seriously I took that and and um, how I felt it's missing from today's game. Um, but at that time, I you know he he made us work. We never got to miss fitness; it was never an option. Um, and I I used to get to work out with guys like Andres Gomez and Ramesh Krishnan and. And, you know, I mean, Zog and a lot of guys, and, and um, you know, I'm not even telling you that every day they took it very seriously, but really, you know, um, it was very impactful at that time because you it was one thing that you did not compromise was fitness at any point, um, and hard fitness at that. So, <laughs> well, Very interesting. That's, you know, a lot of what you said, you know, and you hear dis- different disciplines on how people got to the top of, of whatever they were chasing after, and it's a lot of the same commonalities. I mean, the the hard work. And in, in, in one of the things that I I felt like has has been missing a little bit with with some of what we're doing in tennis, and maybe a lot of what we're doing in tennis is we're taking away that side. We're trying to find ways that are easier. Trying to find things out there that, you know, maybe would be a shortcut. And then everybody knows, hey, if I just read the clip notes, I'm not going to be great, but maybe I'll pass today's test. I don't know what they're thinking exactly, but it doesn't usually end up very well. But that's interesting. So there there wasn't a lot of, you know, things where he was trying to market or sell. It was just this is what it is. Now, do you want to do the work or do you want to go somewhere else? And you are around a lot of greatness. I, I Usually that's a pretty good formula for success. Um, you know, that that's – with me, one thing – and, you know, I'll let, I, I want to hear some other stories you have here, but one thing that early on, and I don't know why this was was a big part of my life, it might have been – some of the read, you know, things that I grew up with, but I remember early on paying attention to older coaches and listening to people that were much, much older, you know, and, and maybe they would have been in their fifties at the time or or early sixties, but to me, they, you know, it's a as a young person, they seem very, very old, and uh, and thinking to myself, wow, you know, every just kind of hanging on to every word because. They're, they didn't want to mix words. You know, I know everything that they said, I, it was very well thought out. And I, I just, I could tell right away that there was something to what they were saying. Now, did I know there was value or not? I'm not sure I did, but I knew I was supposed to pay attention. And when I got into tennis, I really did try to search out those people. And, you know, I don't think we did a tremendous job over the last 20 or 30 years trying to have those people involved enough in tennis to make the decisions that need to be made. But that's a, that's another day. But a lot of the people that are su- successful today in tennis, I, I've noticed that they've got one, two, three of these people in their life that are making a huge impact, huge impact. So... Um, Hopman definitely sounded like he had a a uh, uh, impression on your early tennis, and then you know we you you went out you played for a while. Um, I know you you ended up owning a club, and and that's something I want to talk about at some point. But I want to get down to the fitness part. So you. You started. You owned your own club, and then you decide, hey, 
you know, this is an area that maybe I can make a big impact on tennis. Can you talk a little bit about why you thought maybe that was a niche in tennis or, or what you saw at the time that made you think that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, when, you know, throughout having this club, one of the areas that we started to focus on uh, was more of a sports performance center um, and, and teaching speed. You know, we had a speed academy and different. And when we, you know, after working with all these athletes and, and, and going back to the Hotman days, I remember one thing Hotman told me always was he can only make me as good a player as I was fit to be. So that's why, he, you know, he said, if I can do it, if I can do anything with you, if you're physically fit to listen to what I have to say, the rest is kind of easier. And, you know, fast forwarding a little bit on to, you know, my relationship with Pat, it, it's, you know, it, it, you, you throw some analogies back and forth and sayings, but, you know, what, one of the things that he always said was when you're physically strong, you're mentally strong, and you have to be mentally tough to play this game. Um, so, you know, the, these commonalities in, in these expressions, you know, always kept coming back. And um, But so fast forwarding to, you know, what brought me to here in the club, um, you know, I got to work with hundreds of young athletes at, at, ranging from, seven years old, which would, would start, you know, uh, training with speed and mechanics and different things up through, up through Olympic speed skaters and, and, you know, other, other professional sports. And you just got to see the profound difference that, you know, one, one little change in speed or strength that was very intentional could make in, in their lives, whether it was going from a, not playing to a third string, third string to first string or division one scholarships or pro and, and, um, it was very profound, so at that point it led me to uh, want to, um, you know, realize that, you know what, tennis is one sport that's obviously my my favorite sport. It's a sport I invested my whole life into, and I realized um, that a lot of sports really, whether they're doing a good job or not, they put a big emphasis on training and staying healthy and preventative injury and, and a lot of time and effort into it, and tennis was one that it just it just didn't, you know, they're, they're just really a lot of what, what, you know, when I say generic strength and conditioning, you know, they, you hear, okay, well, maybe ladder work is good for athletes, but does that mean that it's, uh, you know, that everyone needs that? And so anyway, it, it was really a situation where we just saw the profound difference that was being made in all of these lives in different sports. And, and I realized tennis was, uh, you know, was really missing that. And so, yes, so I reinvent the, you know, no, that, that's an interesting point. I, I, I want to, you know, talk a little bit about that, but, it's something that I don't know if we're searching it out is, is, you know, young player. I don't think the players are necessarily searching out. The parents are searching this out, but I remember in the, in the early eighties, there was a lot of these, you know, infomercials on, uh, you know, like uh, Jane Fonda had one out. There was, there was so many of these, you know, fitness things, step aerobics and all that stuff. And I never, ever thought that that was what tennis fitness was going to turn into. I kind of looked at it like, well, you know, the, the people that are really out of shape that aren't athletes need to do this type of fitness. And all of a sudden, I started looking around and I started seeing a lot of that hocus pocus infomercial stuff in tennis, and I was like, well, where did this come from? How, how did that happen? And, and and I have to tell you one thing, when I first met you, one thing that really caught my eye, and then the way you were training players was, hey, that's not hocus pocus, all right, that, that's actually going to translate onto the court. Now, what becomes more interesting about that is, you 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 had this name of Hopman who in my mind if you're going to go back to to one person that really kind of instilled what you need to do generally to become great in tennis he basically had the blueprint and everybody that was underneath him understood seemed to really understand what that meant and and his players understood that from a physical standpoint, from a mental, from an emotional standpoint. Now, in fitness, there's a person out there, and his name's Pat Etcheberry, that, you know, I definitely over the last 30 years in the tennis world, people have put him 
on the fitness side in a very similar, you know, I'm not saying Hopman, but he's he's definitely one of the names. He's one of the the uh, the people that has carved out, hey, tennis, fitness, Echeberry is kind of set in a bar that that is a grand slam bar. It's a bar that, hey, you can't just step onto the court and play weekend tennis. This is this is a whole nother way of looking at it. So you you have talked a little bit about this, but this is a person that at some point you interacted with him. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, I know you and, 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 and Mr. Etcheberry got together and you formed a business, but I want to talk about how all this came together. So, so Hopman, you, your father identified that. Can you talk a little bit about how you and, and, and Mr. Etcheberry kind of got together and, and, and really started, you know, getting on the same page with what fitness was? Because now you went from tennis to, hey, you know, I think there's something here where we, and I agree with what you're saying, there was definitely something there where you can form tennis into a, into a whole nother thing, which, which I think is really being an athlete. But can you talk about, about uh, Mr. Etcheberry and how that relationship started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, as growing up, I mean, my dad, you know, always talked about um, even before we went to Hopman's, he brought Harry's name up an awful lot, and and also uh, Pat Exerberry. So I always read anytime he had articles written in Tennis Magazine or whatever, you know, we would we would read. I so I read about Pat all the time, read about his training. Um, anytime there was something out there, I would read to it. So he was always anytime I was around, you know, great coaches or or great players, you know, Pat's name always came up on, no other name really came up on the training side of things if you wanted to take it seriously. Um, And so I was always aware of Pat. Uh, When when I decided to sell the club and and really follow this this passion, this niche, and what I thought was just uh, something I I became super passionate about, um, you know, Pat was the first person that, that came to my head, and I thought, well, geez, someone someone else needs to help try and be the best in the world at this. And if I want to attack this, that wants to be my goal. You know, like my father said, it doesn't matter if you collect trash or you, you're, you're in fitness, just try to be the best in the world at it and be thirsty for the knowledge so you can help people. And, and so, you know, I thought, well, I, I need to connect with Pat. That's the first thing on my list that I need to do. And so, you know, I had, I had a friend that, that knew Pat and called him and said, you guys really need to connect on this. And so called Pat and then, um, he graciously accepted the phone call. I heard he didn't really talk to many people. He's a very close person. And uh, he took my phone call gracefully enough and said, yeah, I'm doing a certification. Come on down and, and let's talk beforehand. And and so Pat and I met in a hotel lobby, and, and he just grilled me on, on a lot of things, mainly more about character and philosophy and, and, and things like that, not specific exercises. And, and um, we really seemed to hit it off. And, and by the end of that weekend, um, we were – you know, we were uh, finishing sentences for another. I was helping with the certification and training people for him, and we really never turned back. Uh, you know, from that day, you know, from from that moment, we uh, so there's a lot Pat and I do together. We we talk almost every day. We we talk training. We we throw things back and forth. Um, I think you know as much as I can learn from Pat. I think the more times you talk, you can always learn things from each other. I think we we enjoy that about each other. Um, but definitely share, maybe getting to Randy's point, you know, Randy, it's, it's something that we just share the very same old school thought of, of training. And I think he felt a breath of fresh air meeting someone that, that had some background in tennis, obviously. And, but, you know, really, you know, the other thing too, Randy, is this though, it really, what, what people didn't know and I didn't know at the time with, with Pat was I always want to know what was his secret sauce? Like what was the secret sauce? As I get training, I get strength, I get all these things. I taught speed and, but but what was his secret sauce? And that was really what I wanted to get from him and learn and learn from him. And uh, when I found out that Pat has just as much success at, in every sport um, as tennis, it, it, I thought, okay, there's something here. I mean, when he works with with baseball, MLB players that have won the World Series, he has sumo wrestlers, champion sumo wrestlers. I mean, you know, professional race car drivers, world number one golfers, world number one, uh, you know, NBA teams. I mean, it's just 
every single sport is, is in what he does. And I thought, wow, now I really want to know what it was. And I think that he enjoyed sharing his information and I think enjoyed wanting to pass off his knowledge and share his knowledge and actually have help. And it was someone that could talk his language. And so that's where it started. Yeah. Oh, very good. And you mentioned something in there that I, I would like you to explain a little further. Old school. Old school. And and some people are, oh, man, get with the times, coach. Oh, gosh. what uh, Are we going to talk about wood rackets? We're going to talk about gut. I mean, they didn't even play tennis back then, right? No, of course they did. Of course they did. And we need to honor our game on a whole different level. People don't understand how uh, difficult all that was. But but the the old school thought process, you know, what does that mean to you? Because that catches my attention when you say that. And, and when I'm thinking old schools, a lot of times it's a lot different than what other people are thinking because I'll get my friends, you know, they'll send me an email. Oh, my goodness, you got to get with the times. This isn't the way kids think. And all I'm thinking is how can I create a, a way, an avenue, a thought process where kids can, can become the best version of themselves? So I'm not trying to figure out how to take a time machine back 30 years. But I want to hear what old school means because Hopman, Etcheberry, you know, people throw out names all the time, but these are people you had relationships with. These are people that made an impact on your life. I want to hear what old school means to you. Yeah, well, you know, I think there's certain things that will stand the test of time, uh, you know, for, for a long time. And, you know, what you find now is so many people want to flip on YouTube and find, you know, crazy fancy exercises and maybe like you were saying before, Randy, you know, maybe quick fixes or fancy fixes to get to where you want to go. And the one thing that, you know, that, um, that Harry Hopman and, and Pat have always, have always taught me is that you'll never – hard work will never just go away. You're never going to find a fancy exercise that, that's going to outdo hard work. And and so and and so you know so yeah they want to find out how big your heart is. I mean when you go train with Pat in the beginning when I first met him, and I he someone would come in to train with Pat the first thing he would do is more of a physical slash mental test to find out how bad you really wanted. What were you made of? What were your what was your heart fibers made of? What were you? How bad did you really want it? And if he felt that your heart wasn't in it and you didn't have what it took, then he just wouldn't work with you. I mean it was just that simple. There were plenty of people that. Would, would babysit the situation, maybe tell the parents and coaches what they want to hear and things like that. And, and um, you know, to, to, you know, so we, when you talk about just good old-fashioned hard work, you're never going to replace the grit of what it takes to be successful in life, period, but in sports. Um, and, and, and there's a certain base level of physical commitment and desire that you need to have that, you simply cannot replace. I mean, science is not there yet to give us some kind of injection that, that does away with that. And so you have to have the heart first. You have to have the grit first. You have to, you have to be very comfortable being uncomfortable off the court. And you also, um, you have to realize that that where champions are made. And Harry said this. Harry Hopman said this. And Pat always said this. That they that. They didn't think. They said champions were made off the court because if somebody was going to give you their blood off the court, they sure as heck would give it on the court, and it couldn't be the other way around. And and um, you know, so uh, yeah, that's well, that, that I don't know if that answers what you're looking no, for. No, that, that's a loaded subject. No, no, that that is a great answer. I I heard this from a, a good friend of mine the other day. I was trying to figure this very similar thing out, and in what you said kind of validates exactly what he he told me. But to paraphrase what he told me, he said, look, the generation before, basically, he said, we didn't have the technology to look at things the way you get to look at them today. So we spent a large portion of our time trying to figure out the whys. And the whys matter much more 
than people think. I mean, all the major breakthroughs came because of the wise. It came because of the needs of people had creating things that, that came about in their life where they desired something that that really most people thought couldn't be done. And now we have the technology to do certain things, and I think our generation, Chris and I's generation, maybe has spent too much time reacting to technology because science itself, when you look at it in retrospect, it's what just happened. It's not what's going to happen in the future. It's it's what happened. And then the smart guys say, yeah, but if you look at that, you can be – no, but, it, I mean, you could have done that 20, 30. How did all of a sudden people go from you can't run sub-four-minute miles because it's humanly impossible – to where it's the standard. It doesn't happen in any other way unless you create the why, because the body is able to do things that you don't think it can do. Now, what you also said was, hey, we got to be smart about not getting injured and all this stuff. And there was a thought process at one point, hey, you don't get injured in tennis. Well, the, the technology kind of got us into a spot where, yeah, you can get hurt in tennis. So we do have to be a little bit smart about that kind of stuff but not in an infomercial kind of way. Like we need to use that stuff and still attack the whys of people. And that's that's something that I, like I know that's why Mr. Etcheberry is still somebody that people look to as a bar setter and, and somebody that it's it, it still they go to and go, okay, I want to take it to the next level. And, and one of the reasons I think that you formed this partnership with him and apprenticeship with him is because he is the person in our sport. And going from there, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of move on to my next question. Tennis is, is an interesting, you know, you talk about uh, Pat Echeberry and how he's able to translate a lot of this stuff into a lot of different sports, a lot of different sports. And then we talked about tennis. Tennis is kind of a top sport to develop an athlete. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand why that is. And I think that's where parents really get – and there's some commonalities. You know, there's there's the, the early kids that are starting off that need to, you know, what they say cross-train, develop as an athlete. And then you, you – you, you get the, the kids that are going through puberty that need to do things a certain way. Everybody's body reacts a little bit different to puberty. And then they're mature athletes, you know. But why is tennis a little bit more difficult to develop an athlete than maybe some other sports? Can you explain that? Yeah, well, I, you, know, you know, going back to the, to the youth, I mean, Pat and I both agree that you know, you, you, you kind of need to be an athlete first. You need to develop things first. And so we, we both feel that playing multiple sports when you're young, when you're little, is very important. Develop skill sets, develop different different motor skills, and, and different, it, all, it all plays into being a good athlete overall. Um, and, I, I you know, there could be a lot of things, right? And I think some of it is, you know, they, you, you get into – people are – you know, kids are specializing more now. And and I think you know when you're when you're playing tennis, you, there, there's a notion I guess by the coaches, by the parents that you know when they're playing tennis, it's really just about what do my strokes look like? You know, not so much what the outputs so what do the strokes look like? How pretty am I hitting? How am I developing? I think so much emphasis is put on that, and I think a lot too. You know that we talk about often is you know we we set the bar the the, the coaches set the bar for the kids from an early age on, that when you come to tennis, you just play tennis. That's all that you do. You play tennis. And I think by the time you introduce fitness to them and the importance of it, they're already so used to not doing it that it's, it's sometimes very difficult to then get the parents to say, oh, all of a sudden this is important. I believe in this now. And, you know, it's brought up now when, you know, if it started at a younger age, which, you know, is a whole different conversation about what you can do at young ages, what's healthy, what's important, what helps them build their foundation as a young athlete, not just a tennis player, but as an overall healthy young athlete. 
that you use that skyscraper mentality or, or analogy and say, I'm going to build a foundation, build a, you know, build them as an athlete, and then you can start getting more creative. And as they get older, you can build the things that they need to build and work on. But I think a lot of it is they, you know, by the time they, the ones that either get into the sport or, or they start into it, never realizing how important that is. And I think that goes back to us as coaches, not at an early age, not making that a priority. So they understand even if they're doing very little, they understand that every time they come, fitness is important, or maybe playing another sport is important. And then by the time it's, you know, um, you know, by the time it's, uh, you know, time to do it, it's just not something in their wheelhouse to, to feel like doing or commit to doing. Are there any specific challenges that the tennis players face developing as, as an athlete maybe that's different than, than other athletes? Yeah, it's it's uh, you know tennis is, is unique in the standpoint that it involves everything. You know, it involves it involves every discipline of training, aerobic, anaerobic, you know, power, speed, agility. There's you know your joint integrities. There's you know from your ankles to your knees to hips and shoulders. Everything is involved at a very high level. Like there's nothing that you you can't be careful of. And I think it's it's um it's a very overwhelming thing. To, to think about because in certain sports you can, this is an overgeneralization, but you can get away with simpler foundational movements and be okay in that sport. You know, but tennis involves so much that I think a lot of parents and coaches almost don't even know where to turn to say, hey, you know, how do we even start this process? What do we even do? What's important at a young age? Because there is to build that foundation. Um, and if they're not going to play other sports, you need to include those motor skills and development in the training part of it if they're not going to do it. But there, there's a lot involved, and I think, you know, tennis is, uh, you know, it's an expensive sport as well, that it's another area that, that maybe, you know, a parent or parents have to invest money into. Um, you know, there may be other sports that, that, you know, the kids can get involved with, young athletes can get involved with their, you know, free or very expensive to play. They can maybe afford the training and do other things or so well, okay, that's that. If you had advice for parents, players, and coaches, what what would that be? What would if you're in a room and 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 you know we're all looking for clarity? Like, you know, coach, come on, I I really am trying to get from here to here. I know this stuff matters. I don't know how much it matters. You know. How how can you identify? Like obviously they got they they're trying to develop as a better athlete. Being a good athlete is important in almost every sport. It's definitely important in tennis. So they're trying to develop as an athlete. But what does that mean in tennis? And what advice would you give parents, players, and coaches that that can't quite sort through all this gimmicky stuff that's out there. What what do they need to search out that will help them find what they're looking for to help them master this great game? All right, so a couple of things. You know, I, I would say, first of all, don't, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of parents and coaches understand that fitness is important and they get it and they, they understand maybe what, you know, exercises people may do, tennis players in general do. But, you know, I would say don't don't underestimate the value of starting at a young age. We started our, our Speed Academy at age seven, and we probably had 250 kids that came out. When I say daily, I mean in increments and in block increments. And there's so much that you can teach a young child. And often we'd hear parents say, well, my gosh, my kid's seven, my child's seven. They don't need to do this. They don't need that. They're already the fastest boy on the block and the fastest kid on the court or whatever it is. And what they don't realize, sure, at seven they may be, but then there's eight, nine, ten, and if they've got the wrong, let's just say, mechanics with running or they, different things, you know, by the time they're 14, it's going to catch up. By the time they're 16, 18, they can be below average or slow. But the point is there's so much that you can do at a young age to make sure that your child is not set up just to prevent injury, hopefully, which is obviously very important, but also to develop as an athlete so that you can build that foundation of the little the skyscraper and, and do what's important. Spend the time engineering that foundation so that when you want to, uh, as they get older and, they, and they wanna, you want to build more floors on that skyscraper and you want to get better and better, you, you can 
start doing those things. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be in a situation where, like Pat always said, I'd rather get you when you're young than, than try and fix you when you're broke. You know, then you've got to spend time when you're 16 breaking someone down, and, and it takes a long time at that age to break someone down and, and build them back up, and, and it's a big commitment at that point to do. So there's so much that you can do at a young age and throughout those young ages of, of development. So, A, be aware of what you know, but also be aware you know, be aware of what you don't know. Be willing to look into what you don't know because oftentimes it's what you don't know that's holding you back. And you have to really be able to search out what the things are that you don't know. And, you know, so if you, if you kind of picture, you know, you know, a three-circle type of, of pie chart and, and you you look at, okay, there's strength, there's mental, there's physical, there's different things. At a young age, it's okay if a coach or a parent can do all those things at one time, right? But as you get older, you have to also realize that you have to spread that and realize, okay, I know the tennis part, but let me get someone who really understands what this child needs on the fitness part and, and you know, the mental is a different, you know, a whole different story at a young age. But so at, at some point you have to farm out what you don't know and let someone who really understands that do that. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, so at a young age, that is, it's just paramount. But on the other end, you know, like I said, it's what, you, you know, when you, when you start talking with, with the older kids, you know, one of the things that, you know, Randy, that we talk about all the time is if you want to be good, that's easy. You don't need fancy fitness. You don't need attention to detail. That's not really important, I, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. Depends how you look at your health overall and athleticism. But if you want to be great, details matter. Details matter, and, and the law of the individual matters. And, you know, it's – um. We just had a girl today that we did an evaluation on, and, and we did just basically a, a broad jump for lower body power. And she said, oh, I've done these before, I've done these before. But then we went off and did something simple. We did a single leg broad jump on each side. She had a great broad jump. She did a super job, but I was kind of surprised. You know, then we go off and say what really matters in tennis is the single leg part of it. So let me see how, how powerful your right leg is versus your left leg. Well, one of them was I mean, not almost double. I mean, close to double was kind of, and then you realize that attention detail matters because I'm talking to her coach later on today who we talked about how she moves her forehand and backhand, and I was already telling him before I've seen her play how she, what, what side she was quicker to and stronger to, and, and he said, well, how do you know that? And we met and talked about the testing we did and how it all adds up, but that attention to detail to each athlete and what they need um, is that 20% difference in a general training program for a tennis player versus the attention detail is 80% of their results in difference. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not even close. So, um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, that, that would be some of the advice I would. So starting young, discipline, um, balance, definitely a game built around explosion and first step. So a lot of lower body kinetic stuff. Um, what happens if, you know, maybe you didn't start as young and you still, you need, you need to do some things? In, in fitness, how much does fitness play into all this? I mean, is fitness a big thing in tennis? I mean, it, you know, a lot of these parents are going to tournaments now where, you know, they're changing the format, you know, 13 times during a, during a, a, a tournament. Their heads are spinning. They're not quite sure. But, you know, we... We all watch tennis on TV. It looks like at the U.S. Open, fitness matters. How much of our sports built around endurance? Yeah, well, a lot of so a lot of that goes back to the individual again, and what type of player they're, what they need to work on. But you know, if you want to take a grand slam like the U.S. Open and look at, I mean, the only way you're going to get from from the qualifiers, if you have to play the qualifiers or first round all the way through to the finals and win, yeah, I mean, fitness, you know, pretty much everything you do with a stroke starting from the ready position to moving to your first shot is physical, whether it's hip, internal, external rotation, strength, glute strength, power, you know, first step quickness versus, you know, your ability to decelerate and reeks. It, it all, everything is involved in a, in a physical uh, standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, depending on your style of game, you know, uh, we don't have as many serving volleyers anymore, so endurance does matter. I mean, but intentional endurance matters. You have to start studying how long an average point lasts for somebody, you know, versus, you know, how long are their matches typically. So it, it can get scientific if you want to, but if you really want to train someone the right way, um, absolutely, you know, it, the, the detail certainly matters in that. Well, here's here's a little bit of an old school term that I I don't hear a lot of coaches 
fitness coaches talking about anymore, but I definitely think it's a major part of our game. And I was watching players like Millman during the U.S. Open. Boy, I got inspired by watching him. And some of his, you, you talked about endurance and different endurances. I mean, I'm looking at the physical and emotional endurance when you play long do sad games. I mean, whoa, what about long sets? You know, there's some, you know, let alone long matches so and long points. So so there's different dynamics going on there. But here's a word that I'm not hearing enough of, and I think it's a major part of the game at every level, toughness. Now, how, how do you train this toughness into the, into tennis players? And, and, yeah, I mean, I know they don't have to take a punch, so maybe they don't need to be the heavyweight champion of the world, but got to be pretty tough to win some of these tournaments. I mean, some of these big events that are out there, definitely the Grand Slams, um, unless they change it. And at that point, I don't think they should call it tennis, but, you know, that's a whole nother show. But unless they change it three out of five against the world's best, I mean, it's going to be pretty tough. Tell, tell us a little bit about this toughness stuff. Well, yeah, then you go back to the Hotman, you go back to the Hotman time, which is what, what he was all about was about being tough and, and, you know, you, you fast forward now, so you think about, like, like um, someone who was playing, he was playing, uh, uh, who was the last match that he played uh, where he won? Who's that? Federer. Hillman, he played Federer. Who, who, is, who are you talking about? Hillman. Millman. Millman. Yeah, he beat yeah. Federer yeah. and then he lost to Joe. He lost to Joe. So, you know, if, if, you, if you watch that match, what's, what's frustrating about that is he wasn't going anywhere. Now, if he lost, it was going to be because he was outplayed. You know, but he wasn't going anywhere. It's very frustrating when you're at the end of the fourth set or fifth set and someone's playing and they're jumping on their feet and on their toes and act like they can go another three rounds. I mean, that's, you know, if he wasn't – and they talked about his, his training with Tess Wood. They talked a lot about on, on TV and even with his coaches was his training. He wouldn't be near where he would be if it wasn't for that. Uh, but the toughness part, you know, it comes to – and we work with professional boxers as well. We've got one that we worked with back in PA who was a world champion in his, in his heavyweight. And, you know, they had to start out taking hits too. I mean, they didn't walk out there just being able to take a hit to the face and, and it felt normal to them. And then when you start to watch a heavyweight train side by side, you're in there and, and watch how hard they get hit in the face, it, it's, it's mind-blowing how they can tolerate that. It's, it's almost un. It's almost unreal. You can't appreciate it on TV. When you see it in person, you're, you're, you're feeling the sweat and hit you in the face because you're at the ring watching them. It, you know, when they, when they can put their hand to a cinder book wall and you're taking that as a person, but they had to build up to that. They had to build up to that toughness and be willing to accept, if I want to get hit in the face that hard and survive and dish back, you know, I've got to work hard. You go back to the Rocky movies. You have to earn that right, and they did. They stayed to the point where they could tolerate that and take it. It's the same thing in tennis where – you're going to have to be willing. I mean, there's never a match that should be ever harder than a training session, ever. And, 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 and you've got to be – you have to go into that knowing that you're willing to do what it takes. And, and I think toughness comes down to heart and it comes down to desire. And I think there's a lot of – which is an interesting topic, but a lot of athletes, you know, how do you – you know, do some of them, if they just – do you just qualify them at some point and say you just don't have it? You just don't have it, see you later and move on. Are there others that can develop that? I think a lot of them don't know that until they're forced into a situation where they can make that decision and say, you know what, I've now been punched in the face. Thank you very much. Here are the gloves. I need to walk away. Or, you know what, I don't like you. I'm going to leave. But they call the next morning and say, hey, coach, what time are we training again? You know, I think there's a, you know, that that you find out that way. You've got my head spinning a little bit here just by some of the propaganda I hear from, from other coaches. But, I want to go into this a little bit deeper and then move on. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, that, and I 100% agree with you. You mentioned practice has to be tougher than match situations. I saw the look on Djokovic and Millman's face, and, and you know, it didn't look like they were enjoying things at times. It looked like it was really difficult and I keep hearing this word fun, 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 and I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I mean, no, I'm sure that there, there's an adrenaline rush going on, but I don't know if this is like a warm, giggly, fun thing going on. I think this is a really difficult thing, but I think that's what people are inspired by, and I think that's why people watch 
But that's a whole other thing. I'm trying to get into the toughness part. We can't. Toughness is probably not. It's going to skirt on the lines that probably not going to be a lot of fun. Probably not when you're training it. So, you know, and parents need to understand this. So, so toughness. I mean that that those points. And you talked about well, what about how many balls are hitting during the point? Which again, I mean that's our generation. We're reacting to stuff, but we know the bar. We know the bar, guys. And guess what, Djokovic. His job's to stretch how many – if you hit 45 balls over the net, his job is to hit 46 So and to run you for those 46. So, you know, if uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy reports to us and he, he does a masterful job of uh, using dart fish and other things to, to see different parts of the, the match, if he comes back to us and says, you know, hey, Djokovic was – and by the way, Milman – I think one close to 70% of the points where the, the ball went over the net more than seven times. Very interesting thing that was, was thrown out there. Another, And I think uh, Craig was the one that threw that fact out there. But it, if he comes back the next day and tells us that, all that tells me as a player, as a competitor, I need to hit one more ball. So, so again, like, yes, that can be the standard of everybody else, but if we're after mastery, I got to do it a little bit better, coach. So what would you tell parents, you know, when when this all comes ahead? When does it come to a head? Some some kids, I know some of it's on game style and all that, but some players, I mean, it's from, you know, they have an aptitude for this, and it's from, from the first time they hit a ball. But how can you, how can you not only, you know, facilitate what they naturally have, how can you grow that inside of them where they can search out becoming the greatest version of themselves where we can start having these American male champions again instead of getting fingers pointed at us all the time. And that's another subject, but, you know, come on, let us be great. You know, we've done this in our sport before. It all comes through this word, I'm pretty sure. I remember the champions of the past especially here in the U.S., and they're really tough individuals, really tough individuals. Now, toughness might have been defined differently with each of them, but how can you search this out? I mean, what are some of the things you gave us a general, but if I was a parent, what would I, I came up to you like, you know, hey, like I just watched a match today where that was really the difference. Like one player played better than the other player for about an hour and a half of a two-hour match, and then it got tough, and, you know, things change, momentum shifts, and at the moment of adversity, boom, you know, they didn't get, they didn't embrace it, and they didn't understand that they needed to look for certain things, and a lot of that comes through how tough they react to that situation. Now, I think you told me, you gave me a saying coming into this that 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 Hopman had these little sayings about, how the physical and the tennis all tied together. I firmly believe that. Can you talk talk a little bit about that? And then how would you train that? How would you get that out of your players and in, in sessions that you would have? How can you how can you search out this toughness we're talking about that we need for tennis? Well, you know, so again, I think it starts young. I, th- I think the sooner that that the kids or the young young players, young athletes have to deal with any kind of adversity in their life, uh, you know, maybe the more they can deal with it on the tennis court, if it's the only place they ever deal with adversity is, you know, that crunch time in the third set, you know, then it's going to be harder for them. Um, you know, I, I think I think that, um, you know, so much of it comes down to, you know, really how do you get someone to write? how do you get someone to run for a brick wall for you and how you get to this? So a lot of it would come down, you know, for can they align with someone, you know, at what age you say, can they trust your coach? I mean, if the parents trust you and the coaches trust you, so whether you're a tennis coach or the fitness coach, you've got to have enough trust. And you, a lot of it's going to come back down to relationship. I think in that, are you, I can't just say, Hey, go get with fitness coach X or tennis coach X and, and let them drive that, 
that child or that, that young player to adversity and let them deal with it and have that child respect it and come back for more, you can't make that happen. I think there's a dynamics that has to allow that process to happen, and not everyone can connect with everyone. So you, you've got to find the right, which, you know, to me it comes down to the right people. I mean, it comes down to the right team, the aligning with the right people, the best, the smartest, be willing to acknowledge what you don't know and research that information out, find the best, and 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 then you, when it comes to that toughness part, maybe a lot of these youth just never know what it's like to be tough until they're forced in that situation, like we said earlier. And, I, I you know, they're going to have to be because if they're forced that way off the court and they have that trust with a, with a tennis coach, a fitness coach, and know they're going to look at you and trust you and say, I don't like everything you say, but I trust you and my faith is in you. And I, if you tell me to do this, run through that brick wall, coach, I'm going to do it. Um, then, of course, comes your responsibility of doing the right thing for them. Um, and so I think a lot of it does. It comes back down to the right team around you, the right people, to inspire and bring that inspiration out in, in, a, in a young athlete to have them realize it. And, and then if that's, you know, assuming that's all aligned and, and they, they, they do that, they may come back one day and again. They may be so frustrated. I never want to come back. Coach, mom, dad, I'm not going back to that person tomorrow. No way. And if they wake up in the morning and say, what time is training today? What time is practice today? Uh, then you know you start to have something. If, that, if it starts happening on the flip side and you are around the right people doing the right things with intentional work, you know, then, then that's a deeper issue, I guess, as to how you can really drive that out of how you make them tougher. Um, well, very good, very good. It's, my, we're running out of time here, folks, but I've got one final question for uh, Chris. And, you know, with, with tennis and fitness training, um, we're on every week, Sunday evenings. Uh, please join us each week. We've got a lot of things we need to talk about in tennis, but I want to end with this. With Let's say the power B in tennis says, hey, Chris, you're going to be in charge of fitness. You're going to set the standards. We want Grand Slam champions here in the U.S. You're going to set the standards. Can you tell me, I, you know, I remember watching Courier run five miles. You know, when he was training, he ran twice a day. He'd run in the morning, he'd run in the afternoon. I remember the five-mile runs. And on top of footwork, on top of other, you know, on top of his intense training that he did and, and played sets. So I remember these days he went through. Um, can you explain a little bit of what that would look like? Because I really, you know, I agree with what you're saying with the young people, but I also know that you have to understand what you're chasing after. And I think they know they're chasing after Grand Slam champions, championships, but I don't think they fully understand at the moment what all that entails. Now, Federer... Nadal, Djokovic are starting to talk a little bit about how hard they work. They haven't really done that until this point, but they're starting to reveal that, hey, we actually work harder than, you know, we're not going to say than our competition, but there's a reason we're here. And it's not because somebody hit us with the magic wand and said you're going to be the next Grand Slam champion. They're working their tails off to get to that point. What would it look like? What would the standards look like? Give us a couple of key standards where you're like, you want to be a Grand Slam champion. You want your body to look like an athlete of a Grand Slam champion. And I'm not talking the fancy, hey, you need to run a, a 4-4-40. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just give us some of the, you know, what would it look like? What what are some of the standards? I'm I'm an eight-year-old. And I'm, you know, I know, hey, maybe I want to win at the U.S. Open when I'm 19. What do I need to do physically to be there, to get there? Well, so it would start with, you know, it would start with, A, having the right people because any, you know, there's a saying that any exercise is bad if it's done at the wrong time and for the wrong reason. So even if it's a 
probably execute exercise if you don't need it and it's something that, that your style is not calling for, you know, it can be bad. So the same thing with, with evaluation, the same thing with, with what you go. But, you know, at a young age, you start with, you know, you start with understanding, you know, your, your whole static posture, your active posture, your range of motion, you know, different things like that that set that foundation of um, so you can continue to build off of. Then, you know, you need to understand at what point, and, you know, uh, at, at an early age, of course, yes, there, you know, the female athlete issue, you've got, you've got young males and you've got, you know, puberty, you've got all these different things that factor into that. But there are so many things you can do around that. So, under, again, understanding static posture, understanding your active posture, your range of motion, keeping, keeping everything in alignment so you can continue to build. And then, you know, understanding, you know, the platform of strength, power, speed, and how they all fit into what you need at a young age, you know, and, and what you need to build. So it would be following a model of, you know, of, of posture, of active posture. You know, you start developing the proper motor skills and the proper strength. And, you know, I think, Randy, we had this, you know, conversation the other day about, uh, about doing agility ladders and speed, right? And so you can run, you can do agility ladders all day long, and not get any faster on the court. You could run sprints, court suicide, they call them all day long, and never get faster. And the reason is if you don't have, if you can't control your center of gravity and you're doing ladder work or you're doing sprints, if you don't have the right musculature, the right range of motion, and the right muscles in the right spots, and you, you can run sprints all day long and you're never going to get faster. You may get faster by the sheer nature that you, whatever that would allow you to do, but you know, you're not going to get you're not going to get the expectations you're looking for, and so people have to understand there's there's you know a process to follow. So we go to posture, active posture, we go strength, and then we start building from there. You know, age appropriate levels. So um, it would be following a model of of um, of just that. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being on the show, and. Everybody, I look forward to seeing you back next week on the Coach's Corner. Have a great week. Take care. Yeah. Uh-huh.